you got your Bibles uh, or your uh, tablets or Androids or scrolls or whatever you're using for um, for a Bible these days, then uh, if you want to turn to the book of Galatians, which you'll find uh, in the sort of back third of the Bible. And uh, we're going to begin a new series now. Uh, if you are uh, visiting with us, well done. Uh, awesome choice to come to Bay Vineyard. Um, one of the top four churches in the, the low, sort of the 100 kilometer radius. Uh, and so uh, you've done really well uh, to, to do that. Um, yeah, we got an award recently there, so we're pretty pleased about that. And uh, so you've done, done really well to find us. Um, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> and mum who's watching, I'm sure, later. Uh, so if you are visiting with us, I hope you can come back because we're starting a, uh, starting a series. It's the perfect Sunday to come and check us out and then hang around for the next six weeks. And by the end of six weeks, you'll get a real, uh, a greater grasp, a greater understanding of what the book of Galatians is all about. Um, we, uh, you know, we operate um, by honouring the church calendar here in terms of what we talk about. And so we, we uh, do that as a default. Um, and now the church calendar says but we're in ordinary time. And I'm like, man, it's so ordinary time, right? I mean, cold, ordered, you know, short days, middle of term two. It is ordinary time. Hallelujah. Come on, church. How ordinary are we, right? So it's like, and, you know, I just like, uh, so anyway, we do church calendar stuff. And then there's other times like now, like an ordinary time sort of spaces where we either talk around themes or we work through um, some key texts. And so, so far in our three-year history, we've worked through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we've worked through the parables of Jesus, and we've worked through the book of Ephesians. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to work our way through the book of Galatians. And I just love, I just really, it takes so much pressure off me, the church calendar thing, as well as, hey, let's not try and reinvent the wheel and have some zimmy-zammy talks, you know, around improving your life or whatever. Let's just let the text speak to us. And let's humble ourselves and come under the Word of God and allow it to shape us and inform us and mould us. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, and uh, the, the challenge that we're going to face whenever you're kind of working through a text of the Bible is that this is like thousands of years ago, this whole thing was written to a really different culture, to a really different context and a different language. So you're reading someone's best attempt at what's the English word that would best capture what the author's trying to say to this particular. There's so much, though, that it's, a, it's tricky for us to fully grasp. And that's why it's good to slowly work your way through these things. And again, to have the humility to come under New Testament scholars that live and breathe the particular culture that they're in, but also live and breathe the particular language that was used back then. Very happy for these very clever cookies that help you know me in this context work through some of that stuff. And the question that we've got to ask because what does that mean for us? Because we've got all this going on 2,000 years ago. God's Word is alive and kicking and wants to speak to your heart and wants to bring revelation and shape the way that you live. So that's the, the challenge before us. We've kind of got to have, um, John Stott talked about a double vision. One vision is understanding the culture and the context in which this was written. And the second vision is to have an understanding of our culture and context and what it means uh, today. Right? So that's what we're going to try and work out. So we're going to work through the book of Galatians again. I'd love you to turn there. We're going to work through chapter 1 today. Uh, Paul, in terms of context, wrote this letter after he got sick on one of his early missionary trips. And he winds up staying uh, in Galatia. And, uh, and people, just because of who Paul is, people come to faith. He can't help himself. He's got to share the gospel. And, uh, and so some little churches started. So these little churches, there's this little church, a couple of little churches probably. And they're surrounded by pagan culture. 
Oh, that's, that's uh, immediately like, oh, mm, that's pretty much like the church in the Western world today. It's like we're this little church surrounded by the incredibly strong forces of a pagan culture with all sorts of different priorities uh, and all sorts of different um, agendas and worldviews. And so in the providence of God, Paul winds up in this place with some health problems and preaches the gospel. But the thing that you'll notice in this book is that Paul always had these people who opposed him and his message and made life really, really tricky. So John Stott in his commentary, this is just to give you some idea around why he's going to say some things in a minute that are are quite hard-hitting. John Stott says this in his commentary. "Since um, Since his visit to these Galatian cities, Uh, The churches which he had founded had been troubled by false teachers. These men had mounted a powerful attack on Paul's authority and gospel. They had contradicted his gospel of justification by grace alone through faith alone, insisting that for salvation, more than faith faith in Christ was needed. You had to be circumcised as well, they said, and keep all the law of Moses. Having undermined Paul's gospel, they proceeded to undermine his authority also. Who is this fellow Paul anyway, they asked scornfully. He certainly wasn't one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. So these guys come along, so Paul preaches gospel, and then these guys turn up to this vulnerable early church, and they're like, hey, actually, the gospel of what, Paul, you know, what Paul's preaching, not enough. Boys, you've got to have the snip. Now, aren't we all grateful 2,000 years later that we've resolved this theological conundrum? Like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like, evangelism's tricky enough as it is without that little hurdle. Uh, and, uh, and woman, you're not let off the hook because the whole law of Moses would have to be, there. like, you have to actually obey all of that if you want to be part of the crew. Uh, and so that's what's going on. And then not only that, as, as, uh, as John Stott's saying, they're like, and who is this guy? What right does he have to, so like, Pretty discouraging, man. Like church planting is tricky. I know that from firsthand experience. I planted one church, this one. And uh, man, like it's not easy. And like having people literally just undermine like, who is, like who's that guy to do that? And, and his message is a bit off. That's pretty tough, right? So Paul gets wind of this. Uh, and, and like you'll notice in a second, we're going to work our way through this. But Paul doesn't start like all chill. Like normally in most of his letters, he's quite like, cuddly first and then he says a few things like little jabs but like to correct you know correct you or whatever like he just comes out well he comes out pretty as swinging as Paul will come out Um, and so let's work our way through the text chapter one who's ready for this by the way come on this is gonna be good this is gonna be good for us Galatians chapter one verse one Paul an apostle now he sticks in this straight away Sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. So straight away, he's like, little like, hey, church in Galatia, guess what? I'm an apostle, not just sent by some random dudes. I'm sent by Jesus Christ himself. Take notice. Then he starts, this is the most gentle you're going to get in the first little bit. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, just let's stay there for a little while, man. I mean, now Paul's in all 13 of his letters, grace and peace, grace and peace. Breathe it in, grace and peace. Uh, I love this. I've just been swinging commentaries this week. Timothy George in his commentary says this. As a matter of fact, grace and peace are a succinct summary of the entire Christian message. Grace, charis, is closely related to the common Greek word for hello, For Paul, grace was virtually synonymous with Jesus Christ since 
He nowhere conceived of it as an impersonal force or quantity. Grace is God's unmerited goodwill freely given and decisively effective in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Peace, on the other hand, denotes a state of wholeness and freedom that the grace of God brings. So this is what he's saying. When, when Paul says grace and peace, it's like that's, the, that's him already beginning to say, here's what the gospel's all about. The grace of Jesus Christ. Let the grace of Jesus Christ just rest on you, transform you, uh, overwhelm you, buzz you out. Like let the grace of God, the gospel, if there's one word that can summarize the gospel, it's grace. It's the grace. And then what's the fruit of that grace? It's peace. It's the wholeness. It's like, and it's not peace just like, oh, there's no conflict. It's, there's a wholeness to that shalom word. So grace and peace, he's like speaking over in just one sentence what the whole thing's about. The grace and peace of God. This is a good thing to, you know, like uh, sometimes I sign off my letters, uh, my, my emails, <laughs> my, uh, my emails with this or texts and stuff. It's a beautiful way to, and now Bay Vineyard, we can do this knowing what we mean. You know, Craig, grace and peace. And, and whenever I, guys, whenever you get an email or a text from Sam or from anyone in Bay Vineyard that says grace and peace, I want you to stop and receive it. Grace. And just, you'll feel it. Grace and the peace of God. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Oh, I love it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Get ready to swim in grace for the next six weeks, friends. It's going to be good. And then he gives a short little gospel summary, which is the key reason for the opening theme of this letter. And he says this, Grace and peace to you from our God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave, listen, here's the gospel, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. A little short gospel statement there, and then he's going to make sure that people get the message. And we'll unpack this in a second. But I love that Paul's, there's a couple of things, there's a lot going on there in terms of what is the, you know, the, the gospel according uh, to Jesus Christ, uh, which is what Paul's preaching. But I love that his response to that is then just worship, to him be glory forever and ever. That's the appropriate response to every time you just, you catch a glimpse of the good news of Jesus. Every time you get that, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. You're worthy of our worship. And then he, uh, so we'll unpack that in a second. But now here he comes. Again, this is early days for Paul in terms of like going in strong. But here he comes. I am a, like, poor guy's reading this out for the first time. <laughs> like, oh, grace and peace and hello, hello. And oh, yep, you are a possible. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Again, the gospel. And, the gra and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody, because it's quite jarring, what God's curse? Like that, that's intense for us. It would have been super intense 2,000 years ago where you're like, no, oh, hey, guess what, guys? Paul's written us a letter. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, uh, whoa, okay, let me say it again. Was that, a, was that a, let me say it again. If anybody is preaching you another gospel than what is preached, let them be under God's curse. It's a big deal for Paul. He's like, you do not mess with the gospel. You don't mess with the gospel. You don't, you don't add to it. You don't subtract to it. You don't, uh, you don't change it. Uh, John Stott says to turn from the gospel of grace is to turn from the God of grace. 
Like you don't mess with this. The gospel, here's Paul's premise for this letter to the Galatians. The gospel was given by God and cannot be co-opted by a person, by a man. You don't change the gospel. Beth Moore says the gospel is to be received, not reconfigured. And the reason it has to be received is because it's such great news. It's too, it's too, like I can appreciate as I've been wrestling with the book of Galatians, the temptation to mess with it a bit because it's like it can't be that easy. It can't be that good. It can't be that, that seems too good to be true. There's got to be other requirements, surely. Uh, but, it's, but, but here's the thing, is that we don't add to it. We, don't, we, we receive the, the, the gospel. Uh, and here's, I think sometimes even as we begin to explore the, the book of Galatians, we can be like, those silly Galatians. Of course you don't have to get circumcised to, to be a Christian. Of course, that's ridiculous. Like, how could they struggle with anything outside of the gospel of our grace, of the gospel of grace from our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, but the reality is that I think this is the biggest struggle for the follower of Jesus is believing that this is true. Like the full gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is true. Um, and that's where I think we, like the doubts that we can have is that we can doubt that God's grace could apply to me. That we're wrestling with this thing of like, I've got to hit a certain level of goodness and then I can come to church and then God can top it up with his grace. Right? How many of us, and, and this is how we know that we wrestle with it, is that when we do obviously naughty things, kick the cat, say a naughty word, have an extra drink, whatever it may be, how is our natural propensity to run to the God of grace, to ask for, for grace and mercy and forgiveness? Is that our natural default reaction? For, I can't speak for you. For me, it's been a long, hard battle to train myself to run to God, not away from Him, when, I've, when I'm feeling pretty messed up because of my choices. And that wrestle that we have would indicate that we have added something to the gospel that says I've got to do a certain, I've got to get to a threshold of goodness before then I can I can hang out with God. That's us adding to the gospel. It's like now now what does Paul say the gospel is? He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age, from all the filth that we swim in, he came to rescue us, not out of, but from. We're still in the world, not of it, but he came to rescue us from the evil, according to the will of God, our Father. Like he wanted to do it. Like he, his heart's desire is to see us walk in freedom. His heart's desire is that we would know his grace and his mercy. Let's keep, sorry, I'm jumping ahead already. Oh, look at me, grace. Okay. Give me grace, ironically, to preach the message of grace. Uh, so let me, let me go on here, and then we're going to really unpack this. Uh, verse 10, and, and, I, and I, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So Paul keeps coming back to the gospel. Verse 11, uh, it says this, the gospel that I preached uh, uh, is not of human origin. Literally, the, the, um, the best way to say that uh, in verse 11, the gospel is this idea of good news. 
So basically in the, in, in the Greek there, he's saying, the good news that was good news to me uh, is not from like just some good idea, it's directly from Jesus, this good news. It didn't come from discussions or hearing from another person talk about it. It came directly from Jesus Christ. And Paul wants his listeners to understand with startling clarity that what they'd received from him was not a gospel, but the gospel, was the gospel. And this gospel was not the truth because he, Paul, preached it. This gospel was the truth because the risen Christ, the Son of God, had given it to Paul. Therefore, the Galatians... Therefore, in Galatians, we hear this pure gospel directly from Paul. And the gospel, as we can see, is a scandalous gift. It's a free, it's a gift. We're free from sin, not because of anything we have done, but because it was the beautiful will of God. We don't, we don't do anything but receive it. And uh, the phrase, the grace of God, that, which Paul refers to in verse 6, Really, uh, many commentators are like, that's the gospel in a nutshell. It's the grace of Christ. Um, and another time, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, here's the gospel. Uh, and he says, it's the good news that God is redeeming and reconciling the whole world through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus the Messiah, who reigns as King forever and will return again. Like it's the free gift of God. Beth Moore, oh man, Beth Moore, the living legend in terms of Bible study, says this in her um, it's not a published commentary, it's an um, online Bible study, but men who work on it, it's unreal. She says this, To his final exhale on the cross, Christ guarded the unalterable truth that no one took his life from him. He gave it. Jesus did not give his life for an ideology or a movement, a philosophy or even a doctrine. He gave himself for our sins. Paul's use of the plural sins rather than the singular sin connects more swiftly to categories than the general concept of missing the mark, so let's go with it. Our greeds, lusts, jealousies, rivalries, idolatries. Our selfishness, stubbornness, pettiness, thoughtlessness, arrogance. Our thieveries, adulteries, excesses, abuses, injustices. Our slander, gossip, lying, cheating, our disregard for the poor. Feel free to add anything else you'd like to add in there from your own life. And then she says this, face the sins and taste the grace. Galatians will be that kind of straightforward journey. It is graphic not only in its confrontation, but in its beauty and gospel clarity. Squinting at a list of transgressions as tall as the Tower of Babel, we declare Jesus gave himself for these. Oh, I, it's just, it's incredible. And I can appreciate why uh, this little church in Galatia struggled to believe it. They were vulnerable when folks came along that had a long history of, of, of observing the religious expectations of the Torah. And they start saying, these people come in and start saying, yeah, but you've got to do some other stuff if you really want to walk in this grace. Paul's like, no, it's scandalous. You simply come and receive. Surely there's got to be more. No, all you do is humble yourself and receive the gift of his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins have been removed from you. That is good news. That is good news. And it's like, oh, this is what we want the world to know. Like this is where, the, like as a church, we've got to keep coming. And it feels freaky because it's like that seems too, it seems too full on. Like that means there's this indescribable amounts of freedom that we can live in 
as a follower of Jesus because of the grace and mercy of God? Yes. Like Paul's going to bang that drum pretty hard in the upcoming. It's like you don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature because you've got so much freedom in Christ, you can abuse it. But if you keep coming back to the throne of grace and really, he'll, he'll continue to pour it out. The depths of his grace cannot be exhausted. He will keep on pouring it out. So the good news is you don't have to tithe. You don't have to read that book. You don't have to jump through that hoop. You don't have to do a devotional. You don't have to Sabbath. You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to stop doing that naughty thing. You don't have to do any of that to receive the grace of God, to be welcomed in. Like that's starting to get, everyone's all easy to, right? Is that true or not? It's true. You don't. We receive it. It's a gift. Now, does the gospel transform us? Yes, it does. And this is, this is where um, Dane C. Ortland, in his amazing book, Gentle and Lowly, says this uh, on this passage. He says this, There are two ways to live the Christian life. You can, either, you can live it either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live for the smile of God or from it. You can live for a new identity as a son or daughter of God or from it. You can live for your union with Christ or from it. Does that make sense to you? Like you're striving. I want to be accepted. I want to do this. And we're trying and we're trying. We're desperately trying to be accepted by God. And, and what Paul's trying to say in this whole thing of Galatians is like, no, you can live from it. That's who you are. You can live from it. And then he says this. This is so true. The battle of the Christian life is to bring your own heart into alignment with Christ's. That is getting up each morning and replacing your natural orphan mindset with a mindset full of full and free adoption into the family of God through the work of Christ, your older brother, who loved you and gave himself for you out of the overflowing fullness of his gracious heart. Hallelujah. The greatest battle though, it's 100% my greatest battle is to believe that this is true, to believe that this is for me, because I know how messed up I am, and I know my history, and I know my mistakes, and I know the worst things I've done. And it's like to believe that it's true, that God's just, it's there for me. I can be fully accepted as his son. You can be accepted as his son or daughter. Like Galatians teaches that we are made right with God based on what Christ has done rather than on what we do. To help the gospel, therefore, is to lose the gospel. To help the gospel is to lose the gospel. We are made right with God based on what Christ has done rather than anything else we could do. And so Paul gets super fired up. He uses the word curse twice. And if that doesn't, didn't cause some whiplash for the early church in Galatians, I don't know what would. Um, and Paul would later say in Galatians that we're completely free from the expectations of the Old Testament law because God has taken the curse that comes from not fulfilling these expectations upon himself. And so the irony is that if you're adding behavioral expectations to the gospel, he's saying well, you should, you're actually cursed. <laughs> the irony, you think you're cursed if you don't do it. You're actually cursed if you do. You're trying to strive and tick all these other religious boxes rather than just walking in the scandalous grace of God. And so that has huge implications for how we read the Old Testament. We've got to read it very carefully in light of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We've got to tread very carefully. Steve Graham, after the earthquakes, because, oh man, the number of, right, you know, the, God's judgment on whenever something happens, and I've lived through so many of them. Um, and after the earthquakes in Christchurch, 
uh, Steve Graham said this, I fear many of those who have made pronouncements on what God was saying in the earthquake may have, may have not reflected on what it means to live this side of the cross, and particularly how we read the Old Testament prophets this side of the cross, where amongst many other things, God's judgment was taken upon himself in an incredible act of self-giving love. This is, uh, it's, it's, it's scandalous. It's extraordinary. It should shock us and stun us and captivate us and it should heal us and cleanse us and and set our hearts on fire with a love that's been freely poured in. Verse 13, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So Paul had shared his testimony to this church in Galatia. And he uh, he was saying, you know, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, again, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response wasn't to consult any human being. Let's just pause there for a second. He's sharing his testimony here. But there's this lovely moment where he says, when God who set me apart from my mother's womb called me by his grace. Uh, and that's got echoes to Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite stories um, that, in terms of testimonies that we've had in our church um, was from Bruce Radimer, who's he's away looking after his uh, father in Featherston at the moment, who's, who's quite unwell. Um, but uh, I was listening to Bruce's testimony the other day because we're using it in some of our home church material. And, um, and Bruce shared his testimony with us after he'd only been with us about five weeks. And, um, and part of that testimony was that um, he'd come to faith in Christ uh, and then the, the Lord was just calling him into fellowship, which is what God does. He's like, he just knew in his knower, like you cannot actually progress following Jesus just in isolation. It's in, this, in the context of a community. So he does that. But he, he tells the story about how he came to faith, where Andre, who's with us this, uh, this morning, uh, knocks on his door. And uh, Bruce hadn't seen Andre for many years. And, uh, and he didn't recognize him because he had a natural glow, the natural glow of the Holy Spirit, because he had come to faith. And, uh, and his whole countenance is different. And so Bruce, who's at the, like, he's like, man, I was at the lowest point ever. Um, you know, he's just like, this is, you know, what the heck's happened to you? <laughs> and uh, and you know, Andre's kind of sharing his testimony. And then, um, and then, um, Andre's like, hey, do you have a Bible with you, Bruce? And Bruce had just been given a Bible a couple of days ago by his sister. It was still sitting on the counter, I think. Andre can correct me if I'm wrong. Any of this. Um, and it was sitting on the counter, still in the wrapping, I think. And, uh, and Bruce couldn't really read. He was like, mate, it's so crazy. My, sis, my sister just gave me this Bible. And then Andre says, let's open up the Word of God. And he opens up the Bible to Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And that's when, that's when Bruce came to faith. Then that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, this God of love knows me. He knows me. In spite of all the mess of my life, he knows me. And that's exactly what happened to Paul, is that he quotes from that same passage. How cool is that? I can't wait to tell Bruce this. <laughs> like, bro, you and, you and the Apostle Paul, man, you had the same revelation. It's unreal. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, there's the gospel again. And was pleased to reveal. He like, I love Paul gets it. Like, in spite of all the persecution that Paul had poured out on this church, this church that was the bride of Christ, 
It's like God was pleased to reveal himself. How good is he? He was pleased to reveal himself to Paul. He's pleased to reveal himself to you in spite of all your crazy mess. And, uh, and so he, he's new. So he goes on verse 17, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, blah, blah, blah. Um, then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. That's um, Peter, the apostle Peter. Stayed with him for 15 days. Didn't see any other apostles. Basically, he wants the readers to know that he didn't go to the other apostles to get his message approved. The, the church may have been in formation at that time, but the gospel was not. The gospel was established. It was there in its fullness and given to Paul. And he goes and hangs out with Peter many years after he had encountered this grace. And then he goes to these different churches. Verse 22, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who was formerly persecuting us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. So Paul here is driving home two points. Number one, he knows the nuances and the complexities and the demands of the Jewish laws and religious systems. He knows what it looks like to tick all the boxes of faith and to tick them well. And he's making the point, he says, I know what it looks like to be a good Jewish person. I know what it looks like to be accepted in that whole space. But the gospel does not require us to be good Jewish people. It requires us to simply receive the free gift of grace by placing our faith in Jesus. And then we simply let the Holy Spirit guide us and transform us. That's what Paul's saying. So he's saying, I understand all of that complexity, guys. Trust me, I do. But secondly, he's once more telling his testimony of the incredible grace of God, the lengths to where it reaches. The first time we meet Paul in the Bible, he is witness to the execution of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. And he's there giving his approval. He hated the Christian church because of the th threat and, and the way it was undermining and, and he thought distorting what the Jewish system was all about. He hated it. And yet Jesus steps into his life and completely turns his world upside down. It starts to click. It's grace. It's a gift. The Old Testament makes sense. It's all leading to Jesus. My prayer through this book, as we navigate through it, is that we would, and this morning, that we would have a revelation of the incredible grace of God for us afresh. The incredible grace of God afresh. There's two ditches that we can fall into. One ditch says that I'm actually pretty good, I don't really need it. And the other ditch is I'm so messed up, it, couldn't, it's, it doesn't apply to me, I'm actually I'm beyond the bounds of the grace of God, you have no idea how naughty I've been. Right? Those are the two ditches that we can fall into. And, uh, and they're both, like if you've been a Christian for a while, you've grown up in a, maybe in a nice Christian home and it's like tickety-boo and, and, you know, and you're feeling a bit stink this morning because you remember when you were 14 you smoked that one cigarette and that's the thing that's been weighing on your conscience for the last 20 years and it's like, you know what? Uh, and, but then you just sort of, you can get a little bit detached from the grace of God, from like how, how much you need the grace of God. <laughs> how like... You think this is like the crazy journey of, of walking with Jesus is that every time you think you're doing all right, he gently by his spirit brings revelation to something else that's a bit broken and sinful in your life. And like, oh, yes, that's right. And he does that not to make you feel stink. He does that to cleanse you. He does that to blow you away once more with his grace and mercy. He keeps bringing revelation about that. Not only that, we live in a whole world of systemic injustice. I've said this many times. When I put on my socks this morning, I'm not sure if it was made by some child in China. 
I don't, I don't know if I'm participating, sure, involuntarily, in the systemic brokenness of our world and, and kind of going along with all of its systems. I'm more in need of the grace of God than I could ever imagine. And he's not reluctant to pour it out. He delights in pouring it out. We can sometimes, I think, live out of this law-fueled subconscious. Does that make sense? A law-fueled subconscious, like at the back of our head, we're like, I've got to do, I've got to do stuff for God to, uh, to, to accept me. Tim Keller says this, No one is so good that they don't need the grace of the gospel, nor so bad that they can't receive the grace of the gospel. Paul was deeply religious, but he needed the gospel. Paul was deeply flawed, and yet he could be reached with the gospel. As C.S. Lewis once said, Christianity must be from God, for who else could have thought it up? How good. That's why it's good news. That's why it's, it's scandalously good news. And so this morning, uh, we're going to take communion as we finish, uh, because this is, the, this is a, the appropriate way. This is the, the gospel in physical form. This is the gospel enacted, where we come, and it's like, even in my wrestle with believing that this could be true, I'm going to come this morning, and I'm going to eat the bread, of, the bread symbolizing the body of God uh, that was broken for me, and I'm going to drink the little cup of Ribena symbolizing the juice, uh, symbolizing the, sorry, not the juice, the blood that was shed for me, right? So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm by faith literally ingesting the grace of God. Like I just had, like I've got to keep coming back here. And I'm just like, I'm going to keep coming back to the table because it's like I struggle to believe that it could be true for me. And here this morning, some of you are just are really wrestling with shame, some of you this morning, it's like there's just this whole thing of like shame that God wants to just continue to bring healing into your life. And He wants you to know that the gospel's for you, that the grace of God's for you. You know that He knows the worst thing that you've ever done. And as I've been praying about this morning, I just felt there are some people who are traumatized by the memories of the worst thing that they've done. And this morning, God wants to know that you are forgiven that you are forgiven. Now go and forgive yourself. Go through that journey of healing where the Spirit of God will help you to forgive yourself. Because the issue isn't if God has forgiven you. He's completely forgiven you. You are a son or a daughter of God and you can know that you are completely, 100%, radically, totally, unequivocally forgiven. You're cleansed, you're whole. By the blood of Christ, you've been made new again and your job is by faith to receive it. Nothing more. You just receive it. And for some of us, we've, we've lost our awe at the gospel. Like we've just, we've, we've been in the Christian scene a little too long and we've got a bit, and we've lost that sense of being overwhelmed with the gospel, with the good news that by faith you are saved, that He's rescued you from the, the, the broken, fallen systems in which we swim in and He's set you in a new place of love. Like you, as Charlotte was talking about, you are now in the Trinity itself in this wonderful conduit and swirling glory of love. That's where you live live now. And by faith, we walk into that more and more. You are forgiven. And there's nothing. And that's why Paul gets rucked up. And he's 
fair enough. It's like, no, there's nothing more. You don't have to jump through hoops. Now, and I'm going to talk about this in a few weeks, now out of that revelation, I'm like, I want to be near you. That's why I want a devotional life. I want to be shaped and formed into a man of love so I can love well. That's why I do Sabbath and all these other things that, that you can see the wisdom in the Bible, but I'm not doing that for God. I'm doing that from a place of love. I'm doing that from a place of security. It set me free. But you don't have to do any of it. You can just, all we do is receive. Amen.